I didn't expect to get booed, but I didn't expect to win. Mm. And yeah. And I was like, it was some brother singing the temptations. I was like rooting for them and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers and shit, some suits. I was like, and I, I ended up beating a rapping pit bull. That's who I beat. I beat this rapping dog that had been on like High 97 with like <laughs> Dr. Dre and L. The, the damn talking, the, the rapping pit bull was killing everybody. Hey, it's Fred Summer. And it's Anifa Walida. And we are your gay aunties. How you been doing, baby? Ooh, coming at you one more time. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. For those of you all who are just joining us, we want you to know first, welcome to You Gay Aunties. It's good to have you here. You Gay Aunties is a weekly podcast that is centered around queer adulting. So if you want Auntie Hanifa or I to answer any questions that you have about life, love, or any other of your good gay experiences, go ahead and tap your aunties on the shoulder by sending us a letter at yougayaunties at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter at your gay aunties. Woo, yes, my <laughs> lord. Um, okay. So I just want to remind you guys um, that <laughs> you know we we've been trying new things since episode one, and we're really excited now that we come live to you on YouTube every Sunday at 1 p.m. Um, Eastern. So um, we're really promoting this, and we're really excited. All of you guys have already subscribed. Um, we want to build our subscriptions all the way up to where they are on IG. So come on over mm-hmm. to your gay aunties. And so come on over to your gay aunties on YouTube and then you can join us for free. You don't got to pay nothing. Just come on, chime in and, you know, kind of kiki with us, you know, as we do our episode, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We um, love it. Exactly. And we also accept questions slash letters via um, our YouTube live as well. But what we're really excited about today is our guest. Later on, we're going to be bringing in the one and only Jessica Care More live here on what, what? YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> love, before, love. before we do that, love, love, love her. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, totally, totally, totally. We all go way back, so this is gonna be fun. Um, so um, as let's move into our pop and politics uh, for the day, for the week. Absolutely. The corona yeah, madness yeah, yeah. continues. Right. So today in Corona news, no. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I, I just kind of wanted to talk about, because you know it's it's near and dear to my heart as well, even though I know that you are there and I am no longer there, is that Atlanta is back open. <laughs> Atlanta is not back open for business. Okay. And they have chosen to open up like the most ridiculous things like the nail shop and the bowling alley and Barber like shops. the massage parlor. Listen, the massage parlor though. For real though? Like how are you going to... There is no distance in massage. I mean, nail salons are toxic before, you know, the <laughs> corona came right. in. You know what I mean? I mean right. Come on. But, you know, and someone, you know, wrote a, a, a funny meme saying that um, when they start opening up the golf courses and the tanning salons, then... Everything's okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Don't go until they open up the uh, tennis line. That's when you know they are right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know what? And I noticed that the traffic is creeping back up um, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I'm out here, you know, when I have to be out, I'm like, really, Negroes? Are we really doing this? Come on. Don't be, don't, y'all need to take your Bama asses back in the goddamn house. And, you know, come on now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
I don't get us. And, and if, I guess as a New Yorker, I'm just a, just a tad bit offended. It's like, have you maybe you haven't been touched, you know, um, or known someone or known someone who knows someone, or even just feeling the gravity of the weight of death surrounding you to really respect not just yourself and you and yours, but other people as well. Like, come on, y'all, it's really not that. Well, okay, look, I understand. Some people are stressing out. They're like, where the money coming from? And mm-hmm. and Georgia's on some, well, we ain't got no money for you niggas in our um, Department of Labor choir's kept. <laughs> right, Because <laughs> I'm right. still wait- I'm waiting on both <laughs> checks. I'm still waiting on the 1,200 beans, and I'm waiting on my unemployment. And then neither one come knocking. Uh-huh. So I-, I get the stress level, but you know what's worth than being broke? Dead nigga. Mm-hmm. That's worse than Dead is bro- definitely worse than broke. <laughs> <laughs> you know what but I, mean? I am like, ex- well, so there's two things that are happening, right? So a lot of my friends, it's Atlanta. So a lot of my friends have nail salons and beauty shops and um, restaurants and things like that. Um, and so I have seen them post, like, I know what the governor said. We are not open, right? <laughs> I get, you know, I, I love you, all my clients. You know, I love y'all. I love my family. You know what I'm saying? And so people are having to make personal, like, individual business decisions, you know, on whether to open up and try to get money to feed their families versus, like, trying to keep their families alive. And I think that's an unfair choice to have to make. Um, when there's money, it's just where the money is going. Right? <laughs> it's It's plenty. Yeah, it's where yeah. they're deciding to to send it, and a lot of times they're sending it to companies who are still furloughing their workers, even though they've gotten twenty million dollar uh, stimulus money from the government and things like that. Like it's it's absolutely crazy right now. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely crazy, and we are living in a in a bizarre, but not so surprising time, you know, it's like, I'm sitting back, like I'm in the, I'm in the middle of writing this uh, sci-fi uh, script and, you know, I say it's sci-fi, but it's kind of, kind of, it's, it's kind of sci non-fi, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm, this is actually kind of happening, you know, you know, this is totally, you know, foreseeable, you know, um, and, you know, I'm not surprised with this country, but I think what's both, Indicative of this country, what's both non-surprising about this country um, and very revealing is, you know, the underlying racism, all the underlying stuff that is being peeled back. What well, ain't peeled back for black folks, but, you know, <laughs> white folks are like, oh, why are your black folks so affected by this? You know, why I jog down to the fresh air market down the street for me, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, our, our structural, all the all the structural systematic racism, all the isms, <laughs> you know, that apply to us, you know, once again, white folks are shocked, you know, um, but but here we are. But yet here we are still trying to creep out the house because our white governor who none of us voted for <laughs> is saying that shit is open. All of a sudden, you're going to adhere to what this fool got to say? Come on, please. I beg y'all people, please stay your ass in the house because we actually do really want to come out the house. you know. And also, Georgia is the least, um, they're doing the least amount of testing nationwide. We ain't testing nobody. you know. They're opening without a plan, without a plan at all in place. And, and everybody else 
understanding. Like we were not consulted. We were supposed to be on the task force for the governor. He did not let us know that this is happening. The mayors, and you know, I know a lot of saw the the Keisha Bottoms interview, but all of the other mayors are saying we were not included in this decision. We do not agree. Essentially, essentially. <laughs> um, listen, uh, it is what it is, um, and just know that you that we're all living through history. Um, uh-huh. and there's something to appreciate about this. You know, like we said, like last episode, you got any memes or as I'm, 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 I'm totally joking. That's what that motherfucker called, you know, <laughs> the surgeon general. He's another thing we could talk about on a whole nother episode, but you know, mm-hmm. but if you have any great grandparents that are still living, so we could, we're calling the silent generation. So not the baby boomers, uh-huh. they weren't even born yet when the depression was happening. But if you have any people in your family who are part of the silent generation, that's like late eighties and up. You know, they can let you know what it was to actually live through a depression. And it's and it looks a lot like this. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's, uh, minus the internet. we can go ahead and we can definitely talk about this for a long, long time. Yes, ma'am. But I do want to segue into yes. something that I did not even know was happening. And I feel really upset about it that we just ended Lesbian Visibility Week. I feel like I wasn't seen. I- <laughs> I, I feel unsee. If it wasn't for our <laughs> intern, we wouldn't have known nothing. <laughs> She's like, I know it's lesbian visibility week. I'm like, oh word. <laughs> Bad lesbian. Bad lesbian. <laughs> notice when we were talking about it and I'm so grateful that we have young people who work with us on our staff for this because they really keep us connected um was I told her that I did just happen to see a Sonic commercial yes right yes <laughs> and so there's a Sonic commercial and if you want to look it up at uh no no I got it I got it girl I got it I got it let's show it to the people all right here's the Sonic commercial it's so cute you were really smacking really loud. More than one? Yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's that good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there you go. That's how you chew. Now here comes the smacking. <laughs> the junior double stack cheat. Anyway, so back to what we were saying. Yes. So I was saying what I loved about the commercial is that it was just what it was. Like it was people hanging out, like they're in the car enjoying their food. And like it was just funny and light and cute. And you still got to see us just being ourselves. I love it. I know. It was, (laughs) it was like, I mean, listen, okay. I mean, speaking of lesbian visibility, this is something, you know, that, obviously has been on our radar or our want and need and dream, you know, since I was young. <laughs> and it's a different kind of visibility. Like visibility for our generation was like, was that someone in the bushes? Was that a lesbian over there? You know, mm. and usually she always had long hair and was very femme and everything. Cause that's a lesbian that everyone can digest easily. And, you know, if y'all been listening to the show, I have been a champion for masculine um, women um, to be seen one as women, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but also being a part of just the queer, um, you know, dialogue, the queer vision, you know, out there. Because again, to a too much of a de- degree, at least in the straight world, but even in even in our world, you know, um, a, a feminine. Um, um, beings are always kind of put on a pedestal and we're kind of like a yeah. last thought. So, so for Sonic to actually put, 
you know, um, a stud, a butch, whatever you want to call her, you know, up in the driver's seat. In the front seat, the, right. <laughs> she went in the back. She went in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, they either got somebody at the writing table, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, somebody, the PA saying, hey, y'all. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, speaking of, did you get to watch yes. 20s? Well, okay, I got into the second episode. Okay, Auntie Hanifa is mad, mad late on <laughs> 20s. And I'm so mad at myself because I started watching it um, last night and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. This is what I wanted. For oh, so yay. Long. It's like, oh my God, I'm looking at myself at 20 because like all my friends were straight when I was young, <laughs> even before I knew I was yeah. gay, my friends were straight. And it's like this, and she's a dreamer. She's a, like, you know, she's such a beautiful character. All, all outside from her being stud or whatever, like such a beautiful character. And yeah. then, and a funny character. And then her being a stud, a black, dark-skinned stud. On top yeah. of that. And I love that it wasn't like overly like pointed at her being gay it's just like she's our friend and like everybody's going on with life like i i and i'll wait until you get into it maybe we can do our pop and politics review once you're done with it but my wife and i definitely sat in here and watched the whole thing like in one sitting oh wow wow <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah. that's gonna be my sunday uh uh binge um, and you know, and, and also what I appreciated about it, um, and I, like I said, I'm just getting into it. And I don't know if they go deeper into it, but how you kind of see everyone's moms too, their relationship with their moms. Mm, yeah. And there was one small scene in the first episode where um, the main character was talking to her mom on the f- on the f- uh, excuse me, on the phone, and her mom was playing solitaire, but she was faking like she was at a card game with friends, and it kind of showed her loneliness. Mm. And my heart almost broke yeah. i was like to go that deep like and this is where i appreciate the show because okay yes the protagonist is a dark-skinned queer masculine woman but her life around us reflects us all so it's a, a to use her as a, a venue for all of us to kind of see our lives in different ways yeah i mean i couldn't have asked for a, a better script Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost crying, welling up just thinking about it. Like, crying, laughing, and crying, crying. Oh, good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's, it was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Lena. Okay. Thank you, Lena. Yeah. <laughs> Hercules! Hercules! <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yes, yes, ma'am. All right, y'all. So, um, let's just take a little time and, and take a little break. Um mm-hmm. And let's do that. All right. So what we want to remind you of in our break here is that you do not have to just always listen to your gay aunties. You get to also speak your truth. If you want to talk to us, you want to share something, uh, a thought you had about something that you heard on the show, you want to share your poetry with us. If you would like to tell us a story, um, ask us a question. I know some of us, you know, don't really like writing it all down. Maybe you just want to get it out, right? So you can go to your gay aunties on IG, click the link in the bio, and on there, go to speak your truth. You have 90 seconds. Get it all out. (laughs) Say everything that you want to say. Share everything that you want to share in that 90 seconds. Maybe you want to get another 90 seconds. I don't know. 
Go ahead and go crazy. <laughs> All you have to do is go to your gay aunties on Instagram, click on the link, and speak your truth. For sure, for sure. And, um, so, um, oh, no, no, girl, tell me about the, um, the thing on Twitter. I'm so excited about that. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, giggle, giggle. So, what we're going to do on Wednesdays. So, you know, Auntie Red is, is not really um, a tweeter. <laughs> I don't really know a lot. Is that what about they call them? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making up my words, right? <laughs> um, but I have our wonderful intern who's going to be working with us on Wednesdays. Wednesdays, 6 o'clock, we're going to be live on Twitter. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to give you feedback for everything that you slid in the DMs, right? We're going <laughs> to just be there with you on Wednesday. So if you just want to catch up with Auntie Red, go ahead and join us on Twitter on Wednesdays. We'll be sending out ideas and, and just chatting and, and whatever it is that you do on Twitter. We'll be doing that. and yes so that's beautiful so of course um when you want to support your uh, gay aunties when you're in one of those moves like you know what what my aunties doing well i don't know what they're doing but i want to support them you know i'm gonna throw some coins you know what i'm saying you know we're gonna go right we're gonna go to patreon.com slash your gay aunties and you know give what you can when you can we know these are hard times but you know what guess what it's always been hard times for Negroes and, and queer people <laughs> what their facts <laughs> but when you when you got it to spare believe it or not um, any amount really does count because when everyone comes together with their pennies with their dollars if you got like that more than that then it all makes a freaking difference and that's what literally pays the bills along with our merchandise and remember we have yes 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 we have corona merchandise <laughs> and we're calling it good vibes for outside what do we mean by that good vibes for outside that means we are selling bandanas and we are selling masks that don't just protect you and yours we are making those short shopping trips they also have wonderful messages on them that you can silently give to your community affirming messages like we still here y'all <laughs> <laughs> or you're not alone you know you know what i mean sometimes people need I love that it. you never know or i slay as we pass mm-hmm. okay so get your get your um bandana and get uh, your mask um, and support you and yours and support your community as we all are taking this day by day. Okay? Um, Absolutely. Yes. Um, I want to also um, plug um, our wonderful guests and the uh, wonderful work that she is putting out into uh, this world and timely as it is. Alright, so I'm going to show you this really, really great clip. So check this out, y'all. This is Jessica Cares Moore's uh, book. Where my where my Jessica? Where my Jessica? You know what? Well, how are we gonna how about we gonna bring Jessica in? <laughs> because right here on the side. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, here we go. This is what we're gonna do, y'all. I apologize, my friend. Um, because I had a nice little clip set up. I don't know where the clip went. But guess what, y'all? 
We have the incomparable Jessica Care Moore here on the show. Now, let me just do her quick bio right now. Jessica Care Moore is the CEO of More Black Press, exec executive producer of Black Women Rock, and founder of the literacy-driven Jess Care Moore Foundation. Internationally renowned poet, playwright, performance artist, and producer. She is the 2013 Alan Locke Award recipient from the Detroit Institute of Arts. Moore is the author of The Words Don't Fit in My Mouth, The Alphabet Versus the Ghetto. <laughs> God is Not an American, Sunlight Through Bullet Holes, and a memoir, Love is Not the Enemy. And now she has her new body of work, We Want Our Bodies Back. Her poetry has been heard on stages like Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and where I first saw Jessica on the Apollo stage. I'm sure she's going to go into that history. She has performed on every continent. Jessica Caremore believes poems belong everywhere and to everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Caremore. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with y'all. Tactical difficulties, all that shit. I love it. <laughs> Because I'm so grown and proud of myself that I made it on Skype today. So. <laughs> right, right. This is this Thank is the so auntie much. struggle. This is the auntie struggle. But I love auntie how I chose you bear with us. Yeah, we good. I'm so excited. And y'all energy has been really, really good. And we, you know, I'm in Detroit, so it's but the hits are hard here. So mm -hmm. like anytime I can laugh, boost my immune system, mm -hmm. feel happy. It helps. So it's been real, real. This is good. This is good for me. So I appreciate being here. Mm -hmm. yes, thank you so much. Yes. The gay aunties. That's what all my people at the last minute. So hopefully folks will tune. They probably tune in, or they will later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a few people up uh, in 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 the spot right now, um, which we're excited uh, to have. Um, listen, before we go into your work, I just gotta just keep keep with you and just send love. Like me and yes. Jessica, we go way back, early '90s uh, when right. we first arrived in New York, right? And, yeah. and let me tell y'all something. This is a, a little thing. I don't know if you know Jessica. Or maybe you've been yeah. told, right? Mm -hmm. Jessica did the one thing that all of our uh, spoken word poets, MCs at the time, would have never done. All of us New Yorkers, you know, because we just all about ourselves. We would have <laughs> never went on the Apollo. Right? Yeah. But yeah. this is the beauty of being some. When you're new to a city, you're wide open mm -hmm. and don't give a flying fuck. And Jessica went on the Apollo and made that shit happen. And tell them about it, girl, but that's when... It was deep. It was deep. Like, I was living there for five months. I was still learning how to do the trains. <laughs> I didn't. I was living in Brooklyn. I was really trying to figure out how to get on the two. On the F <laughs> and shit. I was like, what is this? You know, being from Detroit, where I grew up driving everywhere, it was, it was a big maze for me. And so at that time, I was still learning the poets and... That's Maurice Dwyer, who's my brother to this day. Saw me at Brooklyn Moon. He was associate producer for the Apollo. And he was like, Jessica, I wouldn't say this to a lot of poets, but I'm telling you that I think you should come audition for the Apollo. Bless him. And yeah, and I'm from black Detroit. And so like, you know, performing in Harlem in front of black people, that didn't really, that made sense to me. So I really, I hesitated for a moment and I was like, yeah, run it, let's go. And I auditioned and it was deep. It was real deep. Cause I mean, I, I remember when it happened the first time I didn't invite nobody. <laughs> and then I won. That's how I told people, like, yo! <laughs> come up here. You know, and so my, you know, people came. Some of the poets came. I remember Tyron came. And uh, Pierre came. And Tarika came. Like, some of the crew from Brooklyn, like, showed up. Like, for real, you won. And then, you know, winning the three times. Because, you know, 
it's the Apollo. They shoot in the they shoot. It's a TV show. They shot three shows in a day. Mm. So I'm, that was that's why I cried. People are like, why were you so? I was I was upset for. I was you know I was overwhelmed by the experience because I didn't expect to win. I didn't expect to get booed, but I didn't expect to win. Mm. And yeah, because I was like, it was some brothers singing the Temptations. I was like rooting for them and shit. <laughs> I ended up beating a rapping pit bull. That's who I beat. I beat this rapping dog that had been on like High 97 with like Yankee Dream like the, the damn talking, the, the rapping pit bull was killing everybody. And I came on here and beat the damn dog. <laughs> Yo, I do not remember the rapping pit bull. I have no memory of the rapping pit bull. <laughs> Person that I beat, that motherfucker was winning. The dog was winning. The guy would be like beatboxing, and the dog would be like, bo, bo, bo. it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I just that everybody singing about Jesus. So I'm so proud oh, of us. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> enough. That's three, enough problem. Yeah, and I, I came back the next day and I won two more. And then they were like, I was getting dressed for my sixth win, and Steve Harvey and they all came and said, no, we love you. They were overwhelmed. Like Ray Chu and the crew, Steve Harvey, Kiki Shepard, they were all happy that mm. I was winning and they didn't, they kind of wanted me to just go out like that and then they had to start paying me after the fifth so they were like all right because you become I became a professional artist at that moment after the mm. third win you had to join the union it was quite uh. my life yeah that's deep right? I had to, at that time it was after I had to join after because oh, I was getting national television experience um exposure on a major level for I took up five weeks of their damn programming and that has never left me. Do you know I have inboxes on Instagram from sisters who said, who in their 30s was like, I was 12 when I was watching you. Me and my mother sat and watched you for five weeks in a row. You influenced my life. You're the mm. reason why. I Just add me in your inbox, sis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and do that now. Like, mm -hmm. I try my best when I'm, like, every time I see you not to be like, but Jessica, me and my mama. Those stories are crazy because I'm, like, 30 right now. So I'm trying to figure out how that shit worked out. I'm going to hear about somebody that was 12. Don't be telling me those you was 12 story. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm wrong. But I didn't know that you, like Hanifa said, I didn't know that you could do poetry on Apollo. Yeah, and I was like, in, you know. It just changed the perspective on where it could go. Like, at, for my life, mm -hmm. poetry happened for you and mm -hmm. your English teacher. Yep, and that's some shit. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of, you know, it's interesting, you know, because, in, and you've spoken about this before, as far as just the influence. New York, and this, and this is maybe a little quick history lesson for those who were young at that time or, or not born. Um, yeah. New York... In that time, those early to mid-90s was literally the building blocks to what we now know as spoken word, you know? Yeah. And Jessica was a part of that. Saul was a part of that. Lisa Jesse Peterson, uh, Mums. Um, I mean, you, I mean, the Tony Medina, Asha Medelli, uh, somebody that used to call himself Shaki, who I was in <laughs> awe of, literally in awe of. I had this, like, vision in my head of you sitting. I saw you once in the village, and you were, like, sitting on top of a newsstand. Like, sitting there, you had your locks were super long. And I was like, look at this incredible sister right here. Like, you were amazing back then. Like, you know, just all the things as an MC and a poet and just taking what we do and putting it with music, which is not, everybody can't do that. Everybody can't rock with the full band. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of that came out because and people don't know that around that time, hip hop was starting to move to the West Coast. 
And yep. a lot of the hip hop clubs are being closed down, mm-hmm. and all of us young kids, twenty twenty one, was like, so where we gonna go forward? So we just right. bum rush the village. We bum yep. rush yep. the village. Yeah. Okay, they're like, who are these little niggas coming up on here <laughs> without holding? And they ain't holding no paper or nothing. They just like, rah, rah, rah. you know, like jumping around. Exactly, jumping around. You know, we coming with this hip hop aesthetic, but mm-hmm. the, what we're also being influenced is the kind of traditional beatnik prose, and then this yeah. hybrid happened that we now know is spoken word. In which we know was like that '90s, that Renaissance that was happening. That I'm, I came to Brooklyn at the exact, the most perfect time, just so I could find you and I could find Saul and I could find, you know, people that I still am friends with to this day. Mm-hmm. People I, that we we raised our children. I found Talib Kweli there. I found Most Deaf there. You know, I found people who are still in my life. And so beyond just it being a, a time when art was at its highest height for hip hop as well. It was just a good to rock records was just beginning. I was there when they, you know, we got my friends got signed to that. It was just some, it was interesting. Cause the worlds, like you said, they were collided MCs and poets and visual artists. And that we were all in the same room. We were all in the same was, room. Come on. Exactly. It was just, just being young and open. And I remember seeing Dave Chappelle perform Washington Square Park yeah. at, in the fountain when the fountain yeah. wasn't on. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah, Dave, man. Yeah. Dave, Dave was like, he, um, it's so interesting because he was the first person to call me. He went to this, I'm in the Smithsonian Museum of African American History in DC, and he was, the, he called me from there. And he said, I told you, you were going to be famous. And I was like, shut up, Dave. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, people don't know that back then, the poet, we all did shows with them too. Yeah. With Dave, I did mad shows with Dave at the Comedy Cellar back in the day. And at the Flamingo, he hosted a show, Flamingo, me and moms were on that Listen, one. Listen, a stage was a stage. Was the, the stage. stage. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't matter the stage. We're getting on the stage. We're the stage yet. We're the stage yet. Oh it was the corner. I mean, we did boom poetic shows. Just We just popped up in front of a headline. Uh, say, like, um, a, a street light. You know, it's like, we meet in the park. That's the stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, these junkies can learn some things from us. <laughs> I, mean, you know, they, I mean, they doing that thing. They stage the internet right now. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the it's internet. It's my stage too. Look at my stepping repeat. It's in my... It's my <laughs> Uh, me, I'm gonna build like a little platform and just be like, fuck it, you know. <laughs> the, chair, the chair readings are getting weird, so I gotta figure out ways. So I really want to stand up, you know, like to read. And it's, but you know, figuring out how to like, I need a microphone. I need a whole situation. Yeah, but I, I love you got that banner in the back though. I love. Banner, love. That's your wall, your banner. <laughs> That's my banner. Oh, okay. I was like, damn, you painted her wall. Step- you about to, you no, that business. Let's, let's, let's go step and repeat. I'm so ghetto. Like whatever. <laughs> this is the, you know. so, so my book came out during the pandemic. It's crazy. Like well, I was so excited. Let's go into your Listen, book, please. We want our bodies back. You know, it's my fifth book. Cause you know I've been running more Black Press since '97. Yes, so pu- pushing other poets published Saul's first book. I got Razor Rock's book, Asha Bedelli's book. So you know, supporting Black voices in poetry. Thankless, crazy work. I don't know why I did that, but I did it. <laughs> and um. I decided not to not do it with my book. With We Want Our Bodies Back, the title poem is for Sandra Bland. It's my my best collection of poetry, my strongest work. And I wanted, especially black girls, young black girls especially, to get the book and to see it in stores and to see the airports. And here I am now, the book come out on HarperCollins. I'm the first black woman to be a poet, to be on HarperCollins since Gwendolyn wow. Brooks. So it's wow. like it's deal for me and then now I can't even go look at the damn book in the damn stores because all the stores closed and my whole tour was canceled that you know I set up by myself and 
Yeah, I set the whole tour up because I, I've been doing this work for 25 years. And so I know how to book myself for money mm-hmm. and to get gigs. Whereas HarperCollins, you know, wants to sell books. Whereas I need a check to pay my mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's deep working with them, but it's been, it's been good. It's been a learning experience, I think, on both ends. But I deserved it at this point in my life. I'm grown and I didn't want to work that hard. I don't have time to be chasing dollars from bookstores. So distribution. I needed the distribution. It's a distribution deal, if nothing else. Yeah. And um, so the book is here. It's really beautiful. You know, Wait, I wrote what, it. For- what's the impetus of it? Like, what's what is the book trying? What's the message that the book is trying to relate? It's it's about self love. It's about survival. It's about reclaiming our bodies. It's about not saying you can't have our children. You know, I mean, people have different depictions. I think people who haven't read the book, they're like, Jessica Karen Moore's book is saying what how men should treat women when it has nothing to do with that. So it has everything to do with like how we should treat ourselves. You know, mm. you know I have a poem, I, I'm not ready to die today, about um, a young artist, um, a young rich artist that was crawling on the ground at an awards show, right? And this my response as an older artist woman that's been in the industry long enough to know that she don't have to crawl on the floor no more. Mm. Um, and I, you know, how much to, for you to stand up? Like, how much does it take? You know what I mean? For you to stop crawling for them? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's saying I'm taking them back. So and there's poems I was in Ferguson on the ground. So it's about me going to say my ground is also my child. Tamir Rice is also my son. I'm a mother of sons. And so. What, so it's a piece about motherhood. It's a piece about, it's a real mature piece, but it's it's really a healing work. Mm-hmm. I got pieces for De- Debbie Thomas, who younger people may not know who she is, but the Olympic skater, Debbie, Debbie Thomas, you know, and it's called Black yeah. Ice Body. And it's just about what happened with Debbie Thomas and what happens to to black women who are excellent, who are excellent, right? In in white, very white environments, but don't get the the love or the or the money or the all the things that they deserve um, mm-hmm. in their in and so it's it's about all the things, but the the title poem for Sandra Bland. I mean, Sandra Bland just rocked my world. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't really left me, you know. And 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 so it's about how many of us die in silence, how many women die in silence in police custody. We know Sandra Bland's name, but so many go unnamed. And I'm so glad that she was on YouTube and active, so we could see this fiery sister who reminded me of all of us. Yeah, uh, that could my girls could have been me. I guess how I when I get pulled over, irritated. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. how am I getting put? What? What? What is the problem? And so it's so it's a it's a call to action. It's not a quiet book. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that I was like courageous enough to put a bind around it and, and say, we're going to put it out. Uh, Patrick um, Bass, my my editor, is was a fan and knew my work uh, for many years. And he's like, we doing this. It was a no brainer for him. So excited, you know. So we have a question for you, but before we go into the question, I would love for you just to read a piece. Just spit, yes. spit a little something from the book. Okay, so I won't do, I'll do I Am Not Ready to Die. Because right. I said I was going to do that. I am not ready to die a little more today. My nails are polished a bright aquamarine. My skin smells like the ocean. In my hair, I'm wearing the flowers he left on my doorstep. Tiger's eye and turquoise are wrapped around my wrist. Do I look like I'm attempting an early death? My headphones sound like Chardet. I wish these new girls would get the fuck off their knees and transform a room with some subtle power and grace. Chardet doesn't really dance, poet, and that is the point. 
When did it become when did it become okay to die in this country on our knees? The Walking Dead, a 24-hour day spa, they parade in groups. Hell, I need a massage too, but at what price? I gotta stand behind mediocre bars just because the kids rock to it. I've yet to hear an MC destroy the alphabet more gangster than Intazaki, so I ain't ready to die today. Won't participate in the spirit massacre of our children. My throat was on fire, pen is hot, Intazaki is dead. Intazaki will never die. I'm more alive in my these wannabe Euro inside out millennials. I've graduated from digital slavery masterclass. I read books without screens. I have sex with men my age or not whenever I feel like it. I love hair, my ass, my breasts. I'm clear my power is between my ears inside my chest. Black girl magic doesn't go grow between our legs. This is the mythology of men. How much to get off your knees, sis? This pen is a knife stabbing out the hearts of dead trees. These trees are already dead anyway. A walking dead urban forest, we are surrounded. So I continue to climb, to write, because I ain't ready to die today or tomorrow. I'ma keep living inside poems you didn't know were left for you. If you would just get off the goddamn floor, you could see all these poems, all this all this world they attempt to kill you with is really your universe to inherit, to change. Mm. Get off your knees, sis. Stop calling for them. Stand up, Queen Latifah, Light, Lauren, Missy Elliott, Left Eye, Bahamadia, Rodiga, Roxanne, Rhapsody, Kate Valentine, Mama Soul, Microphones are not stripper poles. Sonia, Audrey, Maya, Intazaki, Jane, Lucille, Nikki, Nikki, Tony, Asha, Stacey Ann, Akira, Mahogany, Elizabeth, Lisa, Michelle, me, us, we need you to stop dying. Stop dying. Stop dying to be less than who you were destined to be. We need you to outlive death in all its forms. Live, live, live so patriarchy can finally die. Where was you in the house when you wrote that? Or where was you? <laughs> Girl, that sounds like one of them joints that, that wake you up in the middle of the night and like, get up, bitch, right? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right? It was like that, too. Somebody called and they told me the story. I said, she doing what? I said, okay, let me just, you know, fuck it. And I didn't go look at the clip. I didn't want to know who it was. I never talk about who it is. I said, let me just mark something to balance out that shit. So yes. Yeah, yes. that's what we do. So look, we got a, a quick question. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Quick question for you, Jessica. Um, um, how is a writer? How does a writer know that their body of work is finished? Huh? You never finished. I'm not finished. As soon as I'm done with a book, I'm writing another book. Um, so my body of work will be when I'm gone. You know, the one book is not the body. It's just another book. You know, but the body of work is what I'm working on. You know, I'm working on, you know, 15 books. This is only my fifth book. So I got 10 more at least to write. I got, I've been writing plays and solo theater. And so the body of work, I think, isn't about you. It's about when you're gone. It's not when you're here, you know. So that's later. You know, that's like in 100 years. And my great-grandkids are reading like, oh, Grandma Jessica, great-great. And that was her work. So, yeah, I think people don't shouldn't focus on that. You know, just focus on being in the moment that you're in and, and continuing to get better. You know, every book I've written is better than the last one. And I want to expound on that and in, in saying that, you know, I think this is a question that a lot of uh, young um, artists are like, so when is the work done? And I'm glad that you say that it's never finished. And another way to look at that is that you have to, there's a point, like ego is good for editing. Ego is good when you're inspired, like I'm going to run with this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to create this. But once... You, you have to understand that at some point you have to put ego aside and say that it's never finished. Art is a living, breathing thing, and you don't own it per se. 
So <laughs> once you put it out there to the best of your ability, then it takes on different lives because people interpret it differently mm -hmm. and then they incorporate it with their own life. And then, and then it's almost like you're passing the baton to the world that you're mm -hmm. giving. It that's too. Right. And and that's why I've always been kind of like, like when some artists are like, you can't use my work and you can't, that's like, but you're, who are you to smother? <laughs> who are you? To, I mean, yes, I understand publishing, right. everybody got to get paid, but that's, right. that's aside from giving some permission, someone permission or, being, use or, or being a gatekeeper, you know, right. and it's almost like a, suff a suffocation of mm. the art because the art is going to live whether you like it or not yeah. art is going to live beyond you you were just a vessel mm. you're Come not on. the creator you're a right. vessel of something That's that already right. was in the universe they just needed someone to kind of channel it through to this world yeah <laughs> yeah once, once you share it it's gone it's gone yeah. You know, I mean, so many little girls have done that Black Statue of Liberty poem and little debates and forensics and what we do. Got <laughs> some licensing money. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd be like, Ashe, keep it moving. <laughs> um, little girls, uh, Zadaya, Zadaya, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. you know that little actress girl, she was reading yeah. my poem, Black Statue of Liberty, when she was seven years old on YouTube. I didn't even know who she was. Mm. And she started talking about me in a little magazine. So you don't know who you're affecting mm, on the yeah. planet. That's why it doesn't, it, it's, I mean, you're exactly correct. Like, once you do it and you share it, it's gone. You know, and that's what that's the that's what art's supposed to do. I don't, yeah, I'm not a gatekeeper over my work in that way. I'm like, here you go. I get, and I get, I tell all my business and my work. I tell, I say everything. I don't care. I just, I'm really no filter in the writing in that way. So, you know, it is what it is. Yes, yes. Yeah, that kind of speaks to what I was gonna say a second ago. Is like the last time that we saw each other was at Mama and Tazaki's ser her service yes, service at DC, where I had on my red cape, my long. <laughs> Feather cake. Oh yeah, I think I wore a red long. Ass feather cake. I had just been with her, so that was really, really difficult. And she, she had called me a few weeks before she passed, saying she would say stuff like, "Jessica, I want you to hear something. I'll call you right back." And I was like, "Okay." And it was deep why Intazaki is because mm -hmm. she's like me and Sonia Sanchez talk all the time. But I was a fangirl with Intazaki. I used to be like, put the phone on mute and be like, "Intazaki is on the goddamn phone." I'd be freaking out. She don't yeah. even know. I'm like. And she started, she was talking about my work a lot on Facebook, um, in particular, the poem, We Want Our Bodies Back, which she really loved a lot. Um, yeah, but I, I went to Florida and spent a weekend with her, Sonia, and Last Poet. And I wasn't, it was the Maroon Festival, Aja Monet had put it together, but I wasn't being, I wasn't presenting, I wasn't being paid to be there. I just said, it's a weekend with them, that my elders are about to be in a hotel, so I got a, a room right in the same hotel and have breakfast with them every morning. And that's... Mm. It's, really really valuable experience because i never saw intazaki again and mm. so um yeah i love her she changed my life 10th, mm -hmm. I mean, 10th 11th grade when for color girls came to the black box theater in my detroit public high school that's when i found poems you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely she's special. she's special she's all over my book she's all over the book is one of the opening of the book i dedicated to her you know, I wouldn't be here if not for Dezaki. There are yeah. at least fifty black girls in Chicago that have a copy of one of and not it's not always for color girls. Any Itazaki book that I had, yeah. I have given away and had to rebuy. <laughs> I love that. Oh, thank you. Yes. Young girls all over that city. <laughs> so it's important. We got one more question and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap okay. it up. And this is from um, Everywhere Alien, a.k.a. Brad. 
<laughs> oh God, what does he want? I'm publishing his book. His book is coming. I'm his book publisher. He gets on my nerves. Let me hijack it. Hijack it. You not a gay aunt. You are uncle. <laughs> Uncles are welcome. Uncles are welcome. <laughs> but basically, he wants. He, he, he's asking. He's asking. How does um, your work um, speak to or relate to the Me Too uh, movement or post Me Too movement? Post Me Too movement. Is it post yet? I don't think it's ever uh, going to be, be a post. post. <laughs> Not in our lifetime, anyway. How does? I mean, it does. I mean, the the work is that open. Um, the opening piece, as he knows, because Brad was, first of all, worked feverishly on this text with me. He was one of my first copy editors on this work. Um, and so I think the the work um, organically speaks to the Me Too movement because it's about us, like I said, regaining uh, control over our bodies. And I speak to about some of the sexism I went through in the industry um, in very real ways. I don't go deeply into it and I also speak about um, being the long guy in my in my childhood like putting his you know doing itsy bitsy spider up my dress like i opened my book my intro with knowing early what being violated felt like and but being uh cognizant enough like to know that it was wrong and to go run to my godmother and my mother and say the lawn man did this up my dress and i knew it wasn't right um and so i think it's um you know me too movement is just not one thing you know it's not just about a woman being raped. It's not just about, you know, it's just, you know, when we get hashtags involved and shit, things can get weird, but mm. it, it organically, any black woman I know who, um, on the planet has had to deal with being, being a girl and being a woman. I've been in a very, as you know, a very male dominated industry. Even poetry scenes were very male dominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they feel about a male poet versus a woman poet's voice. And, you know, just I remember being in those meetings when I did the Nas album. They, you know, like we didn't expect you to look the way you look. You know, what did you expect me to look like? Whether well, like it's cornrows and thugged out because I'm, my voice is heavy. I don't know what they're all these stereotypes about mm. what it look like because the way that I sound. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it aligns itself organically. But I, you know, I think it just aligns itself with anyone that cares about Black women's bodies and cares about our survival on the planet and cares about our voices. So any movement that's connected to that and it's about moving us forward, it, it aligns with that organ. You know, I, you know, in, in an obvious way. So that would be up to the Me Too movement people to say that. Yeah, Jessica's book does that. <laughs> you know, feel free to endorse <laughs> endorse it. But. Um, I wasn't looking for that movement and wasn't trying to connect with it in an obvious way is what I'm saying. So, but I think it does. Say word. Everywhere is an incredible manuscript that Brad Walrun wrote and he's an incredible poet and we are publishing his book. He's, I'm going to be the last poet I published through more black press for a long time because I got to take a break, but I love Brad and his work is so important and the work he's done with um, the, the HIV AIDS community and, and black youth in um, New York City who are struggling in that way for representation, for support. Um, he's just a major voice, a major voice. And his work is extraordinary and speaks to a very large audience. Yeah, you should have Uncle on the show sometime. Yes, yes, we have yeah, Uncles we, on the show, Brad. <laughs> very auntie. I don't very auntie. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> I love me some Brad. He's the first, he's the first black man I ever uh, knew that was named Brad. So I never, ever forgot your name, bro. Guess who it is. Only- <laughs> Black man named Brad, I do too. That's deep. Right on. 
And shout out to Wady Grant, because you shout out to us, you're a new subscriber to your gay aunties. Thank you, and you are welcome. And with this, we're going to wrap up. We can sit here and kiki with Jessica all day long about our yeah. love life. Thank you. And you name yeah. it, and at some point we're probably gonna have it back on this on the show when you have another book out. Get the book, get this one. This get the, the one book. I... We're gonna put all the information information in the show notes. Um, Jessica, let us know how you can get her book directly. All right. And with that being said, y'all, you know we love you. Um, we always appreciate your letters, um, speaking your truth. Um, we just love doing this work. Um, as your gay aunties. Um, and with that being said, my name is Hanifa Walida. And I am Red Summer. And I'm Jessica Kiyamura. <laughs> <laughs> and we are your gay and ally aunties. Ally aunties. Love you. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I am gay by Sunday. Thank you. All right, much love, y'all. See you on IG. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>